0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good morning. God bless you. It's wonderful to be in Cork Church. I love coming here. We thank you for your love over many, many years now in the fellowship that we've enjoyed, even though interrupted by COVID a little bit there. Uh, We're back. We're serving the same Jesus. We've been to the same cross, washed in the same blood. Hallelujah. Adopted into the same family. Oh, what a Savior we have today. Uh, I'm beginning to feel my age, that high-octane worship from... Uh, Andy, and, and the, I, I think I caught up by the time you got to, you're worthy of it all, <laughs> and so he was, and, and Brother Steve there are talking about, uh, you know, we're part of a, a great fellowship in heaven who are worshiping the Lord, and uh, we praise Him because of what He's done and because of who He is, but we worship Him because of His holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory. We've been worshiping him today. And it reminded me of some friends of mine who, who ministered behind the Iron Curtain for over 40 years. Some of you ladies may have heard Sarah Mahalski uh, at summer fire a few years ago. But she and her husband, uh, what, when the Iron Curtain were up, were one day led by the Lord. They had a, a case full of Bibles. And they went to this building... And uh, they looked at the outside of the building and and from the outside they thought, well, if there's a room inside there, it might hold 500 people. But there was no sound coming from the building. There was no prayer, no praise that could be heard because everything they did had to be in whispers. They couldn't sing out. And they they went in and there were 1,500 believers in that room crammed together on their knees whispering the name of Jesus whispering the Psalms. And they began to give out the Bibles that they had brought with them. And one young man came up at the end of the service and Richard said to me, he said, Sam, he was standing in the best he had because he wouldn't go to the house of the Lord in anything other than the best. He said there were holes in his sleeves. He said his shoes were falling apart. And he said, do you have anything for me? And Richard said, I'm sorry, son. He said, I've given out every piece of literature I have. He said, "I've, won, I've walked a hundred kilometres to be here. Have you anything for me?" He said, "I'm sorry, son. I've a two-dollar watch. That's, that's all I have." And he turned. The young man turned to go away, rather disconsolate. And Richard said to him, "Son, if it was in my power to give you anything that you wanted, what would you ask for?" And the young man said, "I would ask to be somewhere free." where i could lift my hands and worship god and let my voice be heard he said i don't know if i'm a tenor or a baritone he said we we whisper our prayers we whisper our songs and and some some weeks later when the tour had ended richard was back and and he came he came back to the uk completely exhausted and he knew he needed to touch from god so he locked himself away in a little room and they would leave meals outside and on, on the third day that he was in there, a little piece of paper came from under the, under the door, and he lifted it and read it, and it said on it, do you remember the young man who asked us for a Bible? When he returned to his village, he said, the communist authorities came and put many of them to death, and he won a martyr's crown. He was 17 years of age. And Richard fell on his knees and began to intercede for our brothers and sisters— who are under such persecution in some of the lands. So we are free, thank you, Jesus, here to meet in Cork Church. And Richard said he prayed and prayed, and he said, I saw a vision, he said, and I saw heaven. And he said, I've been many times to Niagara Falls, he said, but the sound of the worship was like a thousand Niagara Falls. And he says, and then I saw him dressed in white with his hands raised, singing, somewhere free, somewhere where he could lift his heart to the Father and worship the Lord. Thank God we're here this morning. We have the freedom to worship Him. We have the freedom to lift our voices and and just pay homage to Him who has led us, as Pastor Steve said, and led us to this very hour. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I would would like to, uh, my wife Gina and I have been reading through uh, the prophecy of Isaiah. And so many times in my life, this prophecy has spoken to me. Uh, Really, uh, at times when I needed to hear a word from God, so often it it was from this book. And we have been reading through it, and promises are made to us, and we have children and grandchildren who are not saved. And, uh, And when God says to us, and I will save your children... I will pour my spirit out upon your children. We just buy an agreement and say, Lord God, we claim that for our families. We claim that for our children and for those who are afar off in a far country, wherever they are today, we're claiming this promise, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to your children's children, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But I want to read you a couple of verses just to start with, and this is my testimony. If you have your Bibles with you, could you turn to Isaiah 46 just for a moment? I just want to read you my testimony. It's summarized in these two verses. And let's just pray as we come to the Word. Lord, we're so glad that we're your people. We're so glad that you're our God. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. Thank you we're not serving some construction of our own. We haven't made you, Lord. If we made you, we would have to carry you. But you have made us, and you carry us, As you said to Israel, I carried you on eagle's wings when I brought you out of Egypt. You have carried us to this day, and we give you honor and glory and worship, Lord, and ask you now for your help. Come and anoint me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come and and unstop my ears and my lips, Lord. And I pray the same for all your people and for all those who are gathered, for those who are listening online. Holy Spirit, Come upon us, we pray this morning, and do things that only you can do for the glory and honor of your great name. Uh, Isaiah 46 says this in verse 3 Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs. I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and de- will deliver you. And that's my testimony this morning. That's your testimony if you're a child of God. You may not have gray hairs like me. You may be a young, you, you may be a young person sitting here, but we're here because He carried us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will carry you and I will deliver you. And so I just want to share with you this morning some of the things that the Lord has been speaking into our hearts that are living in us. And my text this morning is found again in Isaiah, just over a few chapters. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 2, if if we could just look at that together. The Lord says to Isaiah, to the people, Isaiah 50 verse 2, why when I came was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, my rebuke, by my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a desert, their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. And when God asks a question of His people, it's not that He doesn't know the answer. God knows the answer to every question. And in fact, He is the answer to so many of our questions. But He comes to Israel, and He says to them, Why, when I called, did nobody answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem And that question began to search my heart. And I've called this little talk, No Shorthand. Thanks be to God today that the hand of the Lord isn't such that it almost reaches us. Because then it would still fall short and fail to touch us. His hand is not shortened that it cannot redeem wherever we are in our lives this morning. And He knows that. I remember one time, I I was uh, 22 years of age. I was sitting uh, in the university in Queens there, up in Belfast, and I was in my final year doing a subject that I had really no aptitude for, nor any great interest in. And I'm looking at my friends in that lecture hall, and and the friends I hung out with, all of them got first-class honors degrees. And then there was me sitting near the bottom of the class and I began to become anxious. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I remember my hands sweating and looking at my friends and saying, Lord, they're going to come uh, with so many jobs at the end of this year, maybe 10, and there's 40 in this class, and my friends will snap them up. They're, they're, they're so brilliant. And and I began, uh, but Lord, uh, and I want to get engaged, Lord, and I want to get married, and I need a job, and I was sweating, and I'm rubbing my hands and my jeans. I had no clue what was going on in the lecture theater. I wasn't listening, and I was becoming quite agitated in my heart and concerned because I was looking through natural eyes. I was assessing with natural assessment, and I thought, oh, this will happen and that will happen, and God dropped His Word from Isaiah into my heart. Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her sucking child? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, she may forget, yet will not I forget thee. I have engraven you on the palms of my hands. You may be sitting here this morning. To all extent, uh, as I looked at you or or the, the people around you look at you, you're looking perfectly sedate, perfectly peaceful, perfectly happy in the presence of the Lord. But there can be things going on in the inside, concerns about tomorrow, concerns about how things will work out. I just want to pass this on to you. You are engraved in the palms of His hands. You are engraved in the palms of His hands. When He was on the cross, you were on His mind. God spoke that to me that day, and I I will never forget the peace that came. I will never forget the assurance and the confidence that came into my heart that God was in control. That's one of the things Gina and I read in Isaiah. God says to His people, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. And he ends that little, that little verse by saying, your God reigns. Your God reigns. Hallelujah. As individuals, your God reigns. No one will ever dethrone him. He will never abdicate. The, 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 he has sat down, and he has sat down forever. And in Christ, we have sat down beside him. We have been lifted up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the Lord had been speaking that to it. I had no clue that day. I had no clue that day that a few weeks later, I'd be walking through Belfast, I'd pass a music shop, and there in the window, there was an advertisement for a music competition. It was the, it was the money that attracted me. 1980, a thousand pounds? Uh, That's like ten thousand pounds nowadays, and I thought I could buy a motorbike with that. That was my that was my thinking, and I entered the competition, never thinking that after four stages, I would win. I would win. It, it was incredible. No, oh no 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 no! <laughs> Don't get carried away. I haven't got carried away by it, but I had no clue. So when I said to the uh, 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 the, the, the lady from, from the radio station, she said that, now this is a bursary. You, you have to use this to further your music. And I hadn't had a teacher for five years. I said, you mean I can't buy a motorbike? She said, no. She said, I said, okay. And in the, it, just in the purpose of God, in the plan of God, I ended up living in Italy, studying guitar in Italy with one of the world's great guitar teachers. I had no friends there. I had no church, I couldn't speak the language, I had no phone, I had no computer. For those of you who remember 1980, that's the way it was. And if I wrote wrote a letter to my fiance, I got a reply at the shortest two weeks later. And there I was, month after month, day after day, on my own. I went once a week for a guitar lesson. No friends, no church no support, nothing. But God had got me exactly where He wanted me to be. All I had was my Bible and Him, and my notebook and my guitar. And I began to read, and the Word of God began. He began to break up the fallow ground, as Hosea put it. I had no idea how hard my heart had become, even though as a five-year-old boy I'd given my life to Jesus. And that could be you this morning. You could, be, you could be sitting here, but the truth is, there's not much growing on the hardness of your heart. But uh, do you know we have a God of such compassion that He comes to us and He begins to break up the fallow ground? Christ Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And wherever you are this morning, I don't know what God will have to do to you, but I began to read His Word. I remember reading the Ten Commandments. I began to realize it struck me. I have broken the first commandment more than any other. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. And I began to look at my life now. I was twenty, twenty-two, 22, and say, oh my God, I have put my plans, my purposes, my desires before you, so many times, and instead of coming in condemnation, He comes with all His grace, and He begins to change me, and He begins to break up the fallow ground. I remember, you know, in November, December, walking around those cold streets in the middle of the night in the north of Italy, thinking I was having a breakdown. I was crying and crying and crying, but what was happening was the hardness was beginning to be broken. Hallelujah, so that when the seed of the Word of God entered my heart, it began to germinate and grow. And when I went back to my church at at Christmas, and they asked me to speak, and I got up to speak, they were sitting saying, what's happened to him? He never spoke like this before. And there I was without friends and fellowship and, and anything else that is a normal support mechanism. God knows what He's doing in your life. He may remove this and that from you, but he knows what he's doing. You're ingrained in the palms of his hands. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I remember then, some of you know this, and just six and a half years ago, one night in her sleep, my wife died, just took a massive heart attack, and she was just taken from us, and we were in such turmoil as a family, we couldn't believe this had happened, And three days after we we buried her, I was sitting on my own in my living room. I was dry. I was barren. I didn't know what to do. And I lifted my Bible and I said, God, if you don't speak to me today, I'm not opening this again because I'd been reading and, and I wasn't getting anything from it. And I read Isaiah 32, verse 1, nothing. And then I came to Isaiah 32, verse 2. And I'm sitting there in my barrenness, in my brokenness, not knowing how to handle the situation. But these are the words I read in Isaiah 32, 2. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, as a shelter from the storm, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock, In a weary land, something inside me rose up and I lifted my heart and my eyes in that room and I said, you will be all of that to me. Nobody wants to be in the storm. Nobody wants to be in the tempest. Nobody wants to be in the dry land. Nobody wants to be in a weary land. But God said to me that day, if you're in any of those places, and he knew I was, he said, I'll be your shelter in the storm. I'll be your covering in the tempest. I will be rivers of water to you in the middle of the wilderness, and I will be a great rock in which you can shelter in a weary land. And what I'm I'm trying to say to you this morning, brothers and sisters, is read this word. Whether you're feeling high or whether you're feeling low, just open the word. It will begin to speak to you because He loves you. It will begin to come to you like rivers of water in a dry place. And and you may not know the, the whole plan and purpose that's ahead for you, but God knows. God spoke that question into our lives. Is my hand short that it cannot redeem? There's only one answer to that. And the answer, of course, is no. It's a terrible thing when we restrict by our natural thinking, what we think God is capable of. God's people, back in the book of Numbers chapter 11, God's, God's people, we are told, got fed up with God's provision. We can't stand this manna anymore, even though it was beautiful to their taste. But they turned their back on God's provision. We want meat. Give us meat, Moses. And they turn on Moses, as people do when they're disquieting themselves. Sometimes it's the leaders who get it. And it's not the leaders, it's the problem, it's, it's our hearts sometimes. And they were so fed up with the provision of God. Isn't that an awful place to be in? But that was God's people where they were. And Moses goes to God, and, and Moses said, did I conceive this people? What are you doing to me? That the burden of all of them has fallen upon me. And God said, I've heard them, Moses. I hear what they're saying. And I am going to feed them for one month on meat, nonstop. And Moses looks through natural eyes, and he's now looking, and he, how's he going to do that? Is he going to bring all the fish in the sea? Is he going to, uh, is, is he is he going to, Give us all the livestock to eat non-stop meat for a month. How's he going to do it? And Moses' eyes are on the ground. He's on the earth. It's on the natural solutions coming from the earth. And he cannot figure it out. And the Lord says to Moses, Is the, land's, is the Lord's hands shortened? Now you will see what I will do. And you know what he does? He cr- causes a, a wind to come. That speaks of the Holy Spirit. That's the answer to all our problems, brothers and sisters. The answer to all our uh, uncertainties and everything else that we feel in life is a move of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, and the wind begins to blow and all of a sudden they had no idea that the answer would come from the sky. The answer would come from heaven. Millions and millions. By the way, Moses said, Lord, how are you going to feed 600,000 people for a month on non-stop meat? The Lord said, Moses, by the time I've finished providing for them, it's going to be coming out their noses. They're going to be sick to death of meat. And this flock of quail, there they are. Oh, the wind's blowing us this way. And round they come, and they just all happen to have heart attacks at the same time, above and surrounding And they begin to eat quail, quail for breakfast, quail for 11 o'clock coffee break, 12, 1, 5, supper, quail, quail, quail. And they can't stand it anymore. And God gets so angry with His people because they begin to murmur and complain at His provision. And God says to Moses, Moses, Leave leave me alone. I will put this people off the face of the earth and I will start again with you and I will make of you a greater nation than them. And had had there been that of pride in Moses, Moses would have thought, whoa, that is some deal. He's going to make of me and my family. Bring it on, Lord. But that was not his heart. He said, Lord, if you wipe this people out, Your enemies will have cause to say, oh, he could bring them out into the wilderness. But he wasn't strong enough to bring them into the land that he promised. Moses said to God, God, if you're going to judge anybody, judge me. Blot me out of your book. But Lord, and he begins to intercede because he has the heart of God. And that's what our heavenly Father is like this morning. He comes to us, and sometimes we complain, and we get frustrated, and and we don't like where we are, or that sort of thing. And God comes, and His Son ever lives to make intercession for us. Isn't that an incredible thing? At this moment in time, this Sunday morning, the Son of God ever lives to make intercession for us. And Moses begins, God causes a wind to blow. And God causes a stirring to come up into the heart of Moses to intercede for his people. I was reading a little little while ago, and you may know of this already, but back in 1949, in the Isles of Lewis, just off the west coast of Scotland, and, uh, 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 and just think about when 1949, this was four years after the Second World War, And many of the menfolk who had gone and fought in the war had come back, and many of them were were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And they'd taken to alcohol to try and help them cope with the pressures of life. And there they are, given to drink, and and it seems like the whole society is going down the drain. But there are two elderly sisters called Paggy and Christine Smith, one is riddled with arthritis. She's so bent over, and the other one is blind. But they're there in their little collet cottage in the village of Barvis, and they begin to take a hold on God. They begin to read the prophecies of Isaiah. They begin to say, Lord, you have said, I will pour water on him that is thirsty. God says to His people in Isaiah, put me in remembrance. Remind me of what I have promised you. And these two elderly sisters, they began to take hold in God. And Gina and I began to say this to God. God, look at Ireland. Look at Northern Ireland. Look at this Western world. Look at how how it, it seems to be going immorally just down the drain, Lord. But you have said... "'I will pour water in him that is thirsty. "'I will pour floods upon the dry ground.'" And these two elderly sisters who couldn't even get out to church anymore, they were so infirmed, they began to say to God, "'Morning, noon, and night, "'You said, "'You said, "'I will pour water in him that is thirsty.'" And they began to bring their community in the Isles of Lewis before God and God began to pour out it first of all into their lives giving them understanding that he, revival was coming and they sent for Duncan Campbell and Duncan Campbell came and arrived there in the Isles of Lewis and they said to Duncan Campbell there's a particular village we think you should go along to and, and Duncan Campbell had been praying about the village and he knew that the village didn't want to have anything to do with the revival and he said, I don't think I should go. And do you know what they said to him? If you were as close to God as you should be, you would go. <laughs> this is the man who's leading the revival. If you were as close to God, Duncan, you would go. And they got a hold of the promises. You see, brothers and sisters, you know, we, ha- we are not entering a geographical promised land. But we already live in a land of promises. The promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. But God says to His people in that verse we read at the beginning, why is there no man to answer me? Why does nobody respond when I call? And it's because they had come to the point where they thought, oh, yeah, we know about the, the plagues, we know about the Red Sea, we know about the manna, but that's all yesterday's news. It's like they'd lost hope for today. And I'm praying in my heart, Lord, please don't let me lose hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Please don't let me see you as somebody who used to do miracles. And, and brothers and sisters, standing before you this morning, if I began to tell you about the miracles I personally need in my family, I need a handload of miracles from God this morning. So I'm not, I'm not preaching to you who, who, as someone who has nothing going on, but what I'm saying to you and what I'm saying to God is, Lord, here are the situations. My granddaughter can't walk anymore. My daughter is severely ill, and my other daughter needs a miracle, and my son needs a miracle, but you have said your arm is not short. I'm reminding you, God, your arm is not short, that it cannot redeem, that it cannot save. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're not yesterday's God. You're today's God. You're tomorrow's God. Don't settle for the status quo. Don't settle for thinking that, that you know, God can only do it if He does it your way. I remember hearing a story about these believers who had run, a, run a, in Ukraine for hundreds and hundreds of Children both orphan and and those from families, summer camps. And they they gave out picture Bibles to these children. And one of the children, Sasha, he returns home and he has his picture Bible, writing on one page, picture in the other. And his grandmother, uh, an unbeliever, his whole family are unbelievers, his grandmother says, oh, that's a lovely book. I I, I love those pictures. Uh, Can I borrow your book? And Sasha says, yes, Granny, of course. And his grandmother lived in, in an apartment block. And she took the book over and she began to look at the pictures. And she discovered, and she was an illiterate lady. She'd never learned to read or write. But she noticed that she could begin to read the, 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 the lines of text that were there on the pages facing the pictures. And she phoned her son, an atheist, and his wife. And she said, I can read. They said, no, you can't, Mama. You've never been able to read. She said, come over. And they came over to her. And she got the little picture Bible. And she began to read. And they thought to themselves, oh, uh, Sasha's read that to her. And she's just remembered it. So they began to flick to a page that they thought she wouldn't know. And said, read that. And she read it. And they got her a magazine and put it in front of her and they said, read that. She said, I can't read the magazines. I can only read what's in this picture Bible. And they they couldn't believe it. And she came to Christ. And her son and daughter-in-law came to Christ. And many in the apartment block came to Christ. He's not yesterday's God. He's today's God. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Believe the promises. Let them take hold of you. I remember a few years ago in my family, uh, we we had a particular need. and uh, One of my children, they were were trying to have children and it wasn't working. And he was becoming very concerned and he poured out his heart to me. And a few days later, I I was lying in bed and, and I was reading Exodus, Chapter 23, verse 26, God says to his people when they're in the wilderness, none of you will miscarry, and none of you will be barren. And all I can say, folks, is that that verse grabbed me. I said, God, under that old covenant, you said to your people, no miscarriages, no barrenness. And I phoned him and I said, listen, I'm claiming this promise for you. It's very easy to go to somebody and say, well, if you believed, if only you had enough faith, we shouldn't do that. That only brings condemnation. So I, I said, I'm not asking you to believe this. I'm telling you this verse has come to me and I'm believing it for you. Today they have two beautiful children. Because the verse came alive. The verse began to take hold of me. I sat up in my bed, and I said, God, I'm claiming this, this day. Let the, Read the Word. Let it come alive to you, and it will by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our intellectual ability that will that we'll understand this book. When my father came to Christ as a man in his mid-30s, he came out of a life of gambling and drinking. He had no education, He had no qualifications. He was illiterate when he came to God. And he got down on his knees after he got saved and somebody had given him a Bible and he said, God, I I can't read this. Will you help me? And he knelt beside a chair in the kitchen and he said, Sam, I opened the book and he said, the word shone out to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and God taught him to read. And I remember lying in my bed at four thirty, five 5 in the morning, I could hear him reading. I could hear him praying. He makes the rebel a prince and a king. He lifts us out of the dunghill and sets us among princes. We, had a, we have a wonderful God. The Lord's arm is not short that it cannot save. It says, In Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is nothing less than Jesus Christ Himself. He is the arm of the Lord. That's why there's no shortage. There's no shorthand in God. God can reach us wherever we are. And I just get this feeling this morning about some of us we are where we are, and God knows where we are, and we know where we are, but maybe, he know, maybe no one else does. And I want to say this to you. His hand is not short that it cannot reach where you are, and do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think. The arm of the Lord is a person, and His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yet it requires the eye of faith to see that. We have sung that this morning. We walk not by by sight, but by faith. And that's a continual daily battle that we fight. Paul said that to Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Timothy, that's the only battle you're to be involved in. The battle of faith. And we have an enemy who seeks to come and rob us. And we feel down at times and we feel depressed at times and discouraged and not knowing where the answer is coming from. And all the time, the arm of the Lord is not short, that it cannot reach us. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that blind man coming to Jesus? And he says to Jesus, If you will, you could make me whole. That leper. As blind man too, Jesus lifts his hands. Can you see that man? As the hand of the Lord's coming towards him, a wonder did he think: Will he really touch me? Will he stop short because nobody else will touch me, the leper said? But the hand of the Lord touches him, for the ha- the arm of the Lord is not short. It is not short. There's no shorthand in God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph learned that. Joseph learned that the arm of the Lord could not only bring him up out of a pit, but could bring him up out of prison and set him on a throne. So many, think think of Peter. Peter's walking on the water. And he's he's walking to Jesus, but then then he begins to look with his natural eyes. But this, this is the little phrase in the account. I think it's in Mark's gospel. It says, I'm beginning to sink and beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. Folks, don't leave it until you're sunk. If you feel yourself beginning to sink at all, say, Lord, save me. And immediately. And immediately. It doesn't take you long to sink in the water, does it? When you jump into a pool, how long does it take between your feet hitting the water and your head going under? A second? Less than a second? Peter cries, Lord, save me! Immediately. He's got him. And he brings him to his side and he walks with Peter. Because the Lord's arm is not short. That it cannot save. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord doesn't want us to have short hands either. I thought of that man with the withered hand who on the Sabbath Jesus saw in in the synagogue. And I'm wondering as he looked at him, Lord, thinking, that's not the way I want you to be. My arm has reached you, and I want your arm able to reach others. Come forth. And the man steps forward and God says, my arm is not short. Yours won't be short either. And he touched him, and his withered hand became whole. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's what I felt the Lord spoke into my heart. My arm is not short, Sam, so I don't want your arm to be short in reaching others. I want to touch your arms so that you can touch other people's lives. I want to touch your arms. We do that in all sorts of ways. Uh, G- Gina still had uh, from, from We Got Marriage she had her old house in Belfast and we, uh, she was wondering what to do about it And I was up in Derry preaching uh, and, and this brother came over to me who, who uh, I had met before and he's a Romanian brother and we were talking about the war in the Ukraine had just started and um, we were talking about how awful it was and he said my, my brother is going from Uh, Poland to Odessa every day and bringing people out in his van. I said, you know, Gina's house in Belfast is available. This was a Sunday. The next day he rang me and he said, there's three Ukrainians arriving on Friday to go to that house that you said was available. And they flew into Dublin. And We got them up to the house, and they're still living there. They're coming out to church with us. These people who were Ukrainian Orthodox, who, I didn't know this, but when they go into a church service that is Orthodox, they have no clue what the priests are saying. It's in some ancient language that nobody understands. But now they're coming out on a Sunday to the Ark Church in Belfast. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And they will come to Jesus, I believe, because it is not by chance that God brought them out of the Ukraine to set them in North Belfast. His arm is not short that it cannot heal. The Lord reached Peter. Caleb and Joshua knew that the the Lord's arm was not short, that it could not save. I mean, can you imagine those 12 spies reporting back on what they'd seen in Canaan? All of them had seen the same things, by the way. All of them had seen the the walled cities. All of them had seen the giants. All of them had seen the grape clusters that were enormous. All of them had seen the milk and honey. But 10 of them come back. And Joshua and and Caleb, brother, are outnumbered in the report five to one. 10 of the spies says, we can't take it. We are in our own eyes as grasshoppers. And that's the way they see us. And grasshoppers don't eat grapes. And the problem was that's how they see themselves. But we sang it this morning. I am who he says I am. Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. Not because of what is in ourselves, but because of the God we serve. Let us go up at once and take the land. Now, you know, that generation all died in the wilderness because of their own belief. But Joshua and Caleb didn't die. They came back 40 years later to Kadesh Barnea, still full of faith, still full of fire. Let us go up and take the land. And take it they did, because the Lord's arm is not shortened, that it cannot save. There's a difference between defeat and victory between entering into the promises of God and living a life that falls short, a life of a withered hand. And how do we see ourselves? We, the, the 10 said we're like grasshoppers compared to them. But I am who you say I am. Am I really this morning, Lord? Are we really this morning that royal priesthood? Are we really that holy nation? Am I really your Ruth, Lord? Am I the one who was just walking around in my life, not really thinking, and just by chance I happened to walk into your field, not knowing that all the time your eyes were upon me, that you were a great, rich man? Am I your Ruth, Lord? Am I the one you've invited to stay in your field, and then you've brought me into your threshing floor, and now you have brought me to your home, and now I can lay at your feet, Lord? But more than that, You want intimacy between me and you. I'm part of your bride. Am I really that? Yes, I am. Hallelujah. I'm his Ruth, and so are you, brothers and sisters. I'm his Gomar. even though I backslide and go away and forget the promises of God, he comes after me. He buys me back out of the slave market because of his loving kindness towards me. Am I really who you say I am? Oh, hallelujah. But unbelief, unbelief speaks a different language to faith. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Oh, we would rather be back in Egypt. Do you remember the garlic in Egypt? Do you remember the fish and garlic that we used to eat? And the cucumber dressing just around the side of it, and the leeks? Do you remember those wonderful days in Egypt? That's the way unbelief talks. Belief says he made a promise to us. He promised us kin. We will enter in, in the name of the Lord. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's walled cities. But our God is an awesome God. He reigns, hallelujah, from heaven above. And there is no enemy that is greater than him. If he said we will enter in, we will enter in. If he says his hand is upon me, his hand is upon me. If he says I will pour water on them that are thirsty, he will pour water on my thirsty soul. He will be rivers of water to me in my wilderness, in my dry place. Hallelujah. We weep at seemingly impossible situations but I just want to finish because I've gone on long enough. I remember a friend of mine, he was doing engineering at at university and uh, he did two maths courses. He did maths and hard maths. And he said, I didn't understand a word of hard maths. And he said, I said to the Lord one day, you know, Lord, there's no chance of me passing this. Uh, You'll just have to, bear with me sort of thing, making apologies. It says, the Lord spoke into his heart. The Lord said, I don't make failures. I don't make failures. Stop telling me you're going to fail. I don't make failures. And he began to study, and the Lord gave him understanding. And when the results come out, his roommate ran into him, and he said, You've been praying, haven't you? <laughs> You've been praying again. And he said, and why do you say? That? He said you got 100% in hard mass because God doesn't make failures. He doesn't. And it's not down to our natural ability whether we succeed or not. It's down to his ability. His ability. His arm is not short that He cannot receive, that He cannot deliver you, that He cannot touch you, that He cannot fulfill His promise to you. May God bless you this morning. Read the Word. Believe the promises. Live in the land of promises. And even though I'm standing here needing more miracles today than I ever had in my family, He said, my arm is not short that I cannot redeem. Blessed be the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at courtchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.courtchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.